Hello everybody thank you so much for joining my podcast Vishnu Vishnu podcast here we're going to interview amazing guys like this and who will be doing incredible yeah like jobs in his life and to be start a business and writing seven to eight books and now one is working on so thank you so much north john to join my podcast Thanks, my pleasure to be here. No, 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 it's not like that. I'll be updated for you one hour. So, <laughs> sorry for first of all that. Yeah. So, could you not tell about your audience, like where this your like business journey when it started? Um, yeah, it's a long story. I um, I guess when I, I worked for a, for a bank when I was fifteen, so I started working. I left school, couldn't get out of school fast enough, so I left um. um to work for a bank when I was 15, I worked for them for about 10 years. And then the IT industry sort of took off like this back in the 1990s, right? So basically the um, the IT industry, you know, all the website stuff all took off. So I started sort of doing accounting software for people um, on the side, on the side sort of thing. So I'd do some work in the bank, like, God, I don't know, 50 hours a week. And then I had this little IT business running on the side that did um, accounting software. And I think after about, I don't know, about a year or something, I decided that it was worthwhile starting a new business and, and actually quit the bank after, I think, 11 years I was working for the bank. So started this IT business and learned a lot about marketing because basically back then um, there wasn't any Google, there wasn't any, it was just yellow pages, right? So you had to do radio, you had to do print ads, you had to do all those sort of things that were quite expensive and, and didn't really know what worked. So I spent probably about 100 grand just learning, you know, going to courses and doing stuff like that, trying to figure it out. So by the time I finished, I built this business up, and then what happened was the um, the government brought out this tax was GST, and so our business went from like we were supplying computers and software and all sorts of stuff. We went from down eighty percent overnight. So as soon as the GST hit, everybody bought all their accounting software, they bought all their computers to do this tax because they had to actually do it electronically. And so what happened was my business just went. Phew, and so I ended up being a, um, I ended up applying for a job. So after about working for like 10 years on my own, I applied for a job in Sydney for this um, software company that we were selling the software for. And when I got to Sydney uh, with like a hundred bucks in my wallet, that's what basically what I had. Um, and found out their business was worse shape than mine. <laughs> so we ended up, um, I spent the next six months trying to rebuild their business. We took we took them from thirty grand a loss to, per month loss to two thousand dollar profit, and then they said to me, "Oh, that's not enough money." I said, "Well, that's actually thirty two thousand dollars profit," and they go, "No, no, it's only two. I said, "Well, um, can I take it off your hands?" Because they said they were going to get out, they were going to leave the business, they were going to shut down the business in Australia and walk away. And I said, "Well, I'll take it off your hands." So we took it off their hands, and within that next two years, we took it from being number twenty in the world to number two. Um, in terms of sales, we grew that thing, you know, exponentially. We couldn't beat the number one guy um, ever because every time we got anywhere near him, he, he put in a million dollars worth of orders. So we could never beat him, but we always got to number two. And after I sold that business because it got too hard in the end, we started doing internet marketing because we took all that information I'd learned over that last 20 years, if you like, and he sort of made it a, a system to be able to help people. And that's why we wrote all the books because as, as those books are easy. Some of the, like the five stages book, I tip, actually wrote that in two and a half weeks. It's a 200 page book because I already had it. I already had the information. I just had to put it in place. And so we then started publishing books for people and, and sort of realized that 
whilst we're doing their marketing, books was an easier way to actually, for them to actually say what they do rather than try to, to, to write websites and try and figure out how to um, capture customer leads. If they actually wrote a book, they could actually encapsulate what their business was about, who they were about, and it was a brilliant marketing plan. So the idea was write a book and then what we're doing now is to say like we'd like for example you're doing podcasting right so we take your book take your table of contents of your book turn that into your podcast content go deep and narrow on that content so pick a chapter and do that as a podcast and then it's enough material for most people 12 18 months five years even but the ability to write a book and then actually say what you know say what you're about and and really put it in place is an interesting thing because a lot of people struggle with it like we've had a few clients that write a book and they go i don't know what to write about suddenly there's suddenly they've lost all their knowledge right <laughs> it's like you got to figure out it so it's very interesting kind of test it's almost like a business plan marketing plan strategy plan in one when you've got to write a book about what you know and what you do because you can't print lies in a book right if you if you lie in a book you know you're going to get found out right <laughs> so it has to be the truth um, so it's a great way of kind of forcing someone into actually um, getting a foundation. Now what I do is I'll write a book about a subject, we'll launch that subject, and then we'll launch all the marketing around it and your book becomes your cornerstone. It's like your conversation starter rather than having, um, you know, like, and what most people do with books, by the way, is they'll go, buy my book, buy my book. Right? That's all they'll do. They just keep marketing, buy my book, buy my book. And... And they never say, I can't sell any books. It's because no one gets to understand you. So by taking that book and using it as a marketing plan and actually using the content and going really deep on it means that they actually got something to talk about endlessly about their book. Um, so I think to me, book publishing was kind of the, the middle of it, if you know what I mean. It actually allowed us to kind of see, okay, that's the marketing engine that we needed to actually make this thing work. So that's kind of the story, <laughs> how I got there. Um, yeah. And we learn every day, right? But the thing is we get to play. I get to play with stuff every day. Like something new comes out, I get to play with it and get paid to do it. So it's a pretty good deal really um, because the client pays most of the time to, for me to figure stuff out for them. Um, so, yeah, it's pretty, pretty yeah, interesting like, kind of world. I think, yeah, we have to so far to over yeah, beginning stories. Yeah. <laughs> we have to first, yeah, like yeah, like your bank journey, how is like your experience to be 11 years in that? So how is that, yeah? First of all, we started from there. How's your experience in there? Would you have, would you think that, that a lot of things will be help you from now also? For the bank? Yeah. Um, yeah, because the thing about the bank, the bank teaches a couple of things. One is systemization, because the bank is very big on processes and systems and structures and full, full over points and stuff like that. So one of the things being in the bank was it taught me that documentation and processes and, and assigning people to do stuff and everything, the whole business management thing. Uh, which you don't really really understand in the bank when you go to the bank and you ask the teller to do something and go oh, that's not procedure that's because banks have built this very rigid process that actually allows to stop anything going wrong and stuff still goes wrong but at a branch transactional level it's very difficult to, to do anything because someone's always watching um at the same time it took me a lot about customer service and customer complaints um because banks are the worst like you, you know people i think it's worse now than never was like <laughs> you get abused by people and you'd get them and what we learned was normally and and i applied this in my business right some complaints they probably need to buy something else from you 
And this is how we did it with, with the accounting software. Because when we took the accounting software company over, we had 5,000 relatively unhappy users. So pretty much none of them were happy. And we're losing them like flies, like they were leaving because they the software had had, had sort of stagnated and then the new version had become so buggy that no one could use it. So the solution to the problem was to upgrade them to the latest version and get them, you know, get them support and help them out, right? So that's basically what we did. And we made like a million dollars at reoccurring income just off the back of taking on customer complaints. My customer complaint pile was like, I don't know, think of a ream of paper, right? 500 sheets. Our customer complaint file was like three reams high of, of complaint letters. So we, I just employed a guy to ring them all and solve their problem. And their problem was buy an upgrade, buy a support plan. And so people run away from customer complaints. Customer complaints to me is like a recipe to making money. Um, because if they're complaining, number one, they actually agree that they've got a problem for starters, because they're complaining, right? Number two, they're actually got the, um, at least they're complaining. They're not just going somewhere else. So they don't just stop using you. They've gone and told you what the problem is. They actually want a resolution. And nine times out of 10, like this is one thing I really learned. If you ever got somebody saying to you, you know, uh, you know, abusing the hell out of you. Like I had one guy, um, he was he bought a payroll. He, his wife had bought a payroll. So she'd rang up, he rang up and she's, he's starting to get into me. I'm going, um, so exactly what is your problem? And he, and he said, I don't really know. So well, because my wife told me to ring you. Right? So he was, his job was to get in, ring me up and abuse the crap out of me so that he could get, and I said, okay, well, what can solve your problem? And he goes, I don't know. So he didn't even know how to solve his own problem. He just said, I don't know what the problem. So, so, okay, if we give you a couple of months for free and get you up and running, I'll be fine. She said, okay, that'll be fine. Yeah, I'm happy with that. So I said, like, you say to someone, I don't know if I can solve your problem or not, but tell me what you want and I'll see what I can fix it. And let them kind of figure out, and nine times out of 10, they never know what they want. They actually don't want to know what they want to resolve, how they want to resolve it. Yeah, um, so I think it's, yeah, I mean, so customer complaints was good money for me. So I think it's good money in problems um, in any business. If you solve problems, then you're always going to be, you know, you're always going to make money. Yeah, like to solving problem that's yeah, in creator mind that that kind of problem is I just want to be solved that that's a businessman mm. mindset will be built in yourself yeah so yeah mm. you have to yeah, like one field to other field why do you have to multitasking person what was the things that will be uh, apply you to like keep it up on you yeah, are doing a lot of things there is a lot of opportunity outside what was the thing that motivated you to working what okay so can you ask, can yeah, you ask yeah. that again because I'm not quite sure yeah, what was the thing that will motivate you to working? Um, I think that, the thing is that, yeah. um, and this is kind of what morphed out of all this process I just told you about, was that when I went out into the marketplace and tried to find software to do what I needed to do, right? What happened was we ended up in a situation where, you know, eight, nine, ten, what they call tech stack, right? So you get you you might have ten different things you use to make your whole business run because that's the way the world started working with cloud. Suddenly cloud happened and everybody could get cloud software, accounting software and cloud websites and all this sort of stuff. So what happened was people just signed up for different pieces of software and trying to make it all work together. And none of those individual applications, most of the time, were ever thinking about working with anybody else. So when we tried to set up these sites for businesses, we found that you know we have to have to set up nine, 10 solutions for them. Are paying for it every month it was complicated things would break all sorts of things so we developed the evolvepreneur.app platform 
to be able to say, okay, what's the quickest way to get to get where you need to get to, right? So, for example, I I'm looking at this membership site that I um, joined up for that teaches how to do membership sites, right? And I printed out their sheets of, of paper that this says like they've got a roadmap and I think they've got 18 steps on it, right? And and basically it's like tons of paper. And I said that's complicated, right? And then I, I found another sheet of paper that said they had they use nine different applications to run their own membership site. And when you dig in further, there's actually another 10 bits and pieces they use as well. So that's too hard for an average person. So my goal, my what gets me out of bed in the morning is that. If I can write a system where you can do something in 30 seconds instead of 30 days, or do it in a day instead of a year, that's what's going to make a difference. So my whole thing right now is to develop this app platform for us to launch a podcast in 30 seconds, right? To, to be able to do things really quickly. Um, yeah, and it's not going to be perfect. But the reality is, is that nothing is ever perfect. Now, books are the worst, right? People think books are perfect. And, they, and the, the perfectionist in there will try and make it perfect. I said, you'll never release that book. It'll never be finished because no books are perfect. Nothing is perfect. Humans aren't perfect. So how the hell can that be perfect? And so, you know, getting imperfect kind of results, get a launch a podcast in a day is, is achievable. Most people think it's going to take them a year to write a book to do it or six months or three months. They think it's going to take a year to do a book. You can do a book in a week. You can do a book in three months. It doesn't mean that you have to follow the standard way of doing things you can shortcut it and i think that's the difference and that that's what gets me out of bed in the morning is to say look can i make can i create a membership system and i'll ask myself this today they're talking about doing one i think in 30 or 90 days right taking at least 30 days to build a membership system i wonder if i could do it in three days like if i could find a way to, and i could probably could like we did a launch for a client Literally, um, she left, she actually delayed it a week. So she says to me on the Wednesday, I need a, I need us working by Monday. I'm launching on Monday. <laughs> I'm going, so you've got nothing, right? Nothing, not a website, no e-commerce, nothing. And by Monday, you want to launch. So on Monday, we were ready to go. All right, we'd, we'd done it. And she said, oh, I've got a few other things I've got to do. I said, yeah, it's things that you missed out or things you haven't done. So I said, I'll delay it one week and then I'll launch. I said, okay. And so we did a few extra more things. And then the week after that, she launched this um, mastermind, uh, which is basically a course and she launched affiliate program and all that sort of stuff. She literally, she's adding content now, but her work that she did in that whole process was probably in about three, four hours work. You know, we knocked it over in two days and she did about three hours work. She launched the thing, right? Um, is it perfect? No, but it's, she's making money, she's selling it. So that's good enough. That was the things, and you say that yeah, you just want to be like uh, to help people to yeah, just shorter mm-hmm. the their time, like thirty minutes to thirty seconds, thirty seconds to three seconds, yep. yeah. And, and, and the most lazy was, way possible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was really a cool thing that you want to be yeah, so in that way. So yeah, like you tell a thing so that you would yeah written a book in a week in three months. How long mm-hmm. it will take to you to write a book? To write a book? Um, Here's a good example, right? We just did Startup Secrets for Entrepreneurs. And I committed to my son, because he's in my business now, um, about three years ago, that we'd do a book a year. That was the plan. So I want to do 10 books. Um, So I've done seven now. Maybe I'll do three more and that might be it. I don't know. But we committed to do this book. So in order to reinforce the commitment, Amazon has this thing called pre-order. So you can actually put a book on pre-order which means you can set a future date 
and they changed it from 90 days, it used to be only 90 days, to almost a year. So I, in, back in about, I think, just before COVID, maybe March-ish, I set a date to be 30th of November, all right, to launch this book. And then dilly-dallied around, it's like mechanics car, right? So basically dilly-dallied around, did a few little bits and pieces, got to September, nothing's done, right? We've done a cover, which is not really finished, but it's good enough. And we haven't really put any content in and I haven't really done know what I'm gonna write about. We just called it Startup Secrets, right? So get to the end of October, still nothing done. Still busy with other client stuff, right? Top clock is ticking. If in 30 days, if I don't get this book done and release something, the Amazon will demand me from doing another pre-order for a year, right? So I have there's something going to lose something out of this, right? So funny about a deadline, right? So in the next 30 days, we wrote that book. And once you sit down, so it probably literally took me probably a week's work, maybe a bit less to do that book. And that's about a hundred and probably about 150 page book now. Um, maybe a little less and it's not finished yet because we want to keep on adding to it so it's become an organic book so we've launched it as Kindle we're going to launch it as paperback once I've finished adding extra stuff to it so it's almost like someone can download that book refresh it and it'll get the next chapter that I've actually decided to write is that imperfect is that is that a perfect book no it's not a perfect book but it got it out there and we got the result we wanted and that was have a book to talk about quick startup secrets, lazy marketing, be able to try and get that thing done fast. And and we have to eat our own dog food, right? So basically I had nearly eight months to write that book and I did it in the last 30 days because I got busy and then the pressure got on, right? So I think if you got pressure on you to write a book and get it done in a certain period of time and the biggest problem is with, with what we have with clients is if they're running their own schedule, that that will drag out for years. If we're doing it for 90 days, which is what we normally do, we've got a 90 day process, that's on a deadline to get done. Like they've got 30 days to do this, we've got 30 days to write the book and edit it and get it all done and 30 days to launch it. That's it. And typically it doesn't always end up 90 days. Sometimes it's 120, but that's good enough. But the reality is, is they've got a deadline. They've got someone on their back, right? To get it done. And so you can write a good book in 90 days. It takes you, it would take you probably one to two years to write even longer, maybe three years to write a great book, right? Yeah. Most books don't have to be great books, just good books, right? Because in most cases, you want to impress the customer enough to buy from you or, or talk to you. That's all you need, right? You're not writing raw and peace here. You're writing something that communicates to the customer, your ideal customer, who you, what you're about. Doesn't have to be perfect, doesn't have to be a great book because if it's a great book and you've got all these insights they don't need you right so you actually need a book that actually has missing pieces to it because they need you for that piece right so yeah so that yeah so basically i think that's the the trick with books is that books are not people think they've got to hide away for six months in a in a you know a shed somewhere in the middle of nowhere to write this book the reality is that you can do it rapidly. You can um, like record what you're saying if you're a talker, record what your what your book's about, transcribe it, get someone else to clean it up. Right? I say to my, a lot of my clients, you're an author, not a writer. So don't think that you have to be a great writer. Plenty of writers out there, tons and tons of writers out there that you can hire, but they don't know anything about content. They don't understand what the concepts are. 
right? Generally speaking, a writer or an editor will will work from what you tell them, right? So if you can figure out what the what the recipe is and you can you know describe what you want, a writer can make it look pretty, right? They can fix that up. But you're the author, you're the idea person. That's what you need to be. Not a great writer. They beat themselves up because they think they have to be a great writer. That everybody's going to criticise them for their writing skills. Like, a, like an English grade teacher, right? It's going to come and say, look, your grammar, right? Um, honestly, if someone's criticising your book to you, they're not your best customer anyway, right? If they're doing that, then don't do business with them because that will drive you insane. So to me, it's like, yeah, don't, don't make a bad job of it. Don't make it look terrible. Don't, um, you know, spend time on the cover, spend time on stuff, but don't um, think that it has to be perfect or that that people are going to, I mean, your best customer probably never read your book. Mm. So they'll look at the cover and they'll go, oh, that looks interesting. Look at the table of contents and then uh, call the action and call you up. That's probably what will happen. It could be a blank book. There are blank books on Amazon. There's a blank book what men know about women. So if you actually look it up on Amazon and you Google that, on Amazon there's a book called, and it's totally blank. There's nothing in it. When you receive it, it says this page is intentionally blank. <laughs> It's a coffee table book and it's thousands of reviews on all sorts of stuff, right? It, like this guy didn't even write a book. He actually wrote a blank book. Right? <laughs> Not one single thing in it. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, And I had a client um, that wrote a book in 12 months. It was actually, she was um, she, had, she had cancer. She had a probably, I think, less than 5% chance of surviving. So she had to go through 12 months of chemo. She's only 18. She went through 12 months of chemo. She wrote this book. Um, and basically, it, and we didn't even edit it. Like we just fixed up a couple of grammar things and then said, that's it. We left it raw. Because she basically wrote about her experience over that 12 month period. And I say, if someone doing chemo for 12 months with very little chance of survival can write a book at, who is 18, anybody can. Uh, you got no excuse then, right? Have you? Yeah. Like chemo, doing chemo for 12 months, she. Um, the guy that introduced me to her to do it, he went to see her and she was at the end of this, I think about 10, 7, 10 months into chemo, was about to quit. She's like, I'm just going to have them die. I've had enough. Can't do it anymore. And he encouraged her to keep going. And then a couple of months later, she contacted me and says, oh, I'm in remission. I'll, I'm going to do this. You know, you know, I want you to publish this book. So, do you know what I mean? So there's no reason, there's no excuse not to write a book. <laughs> Yeah, that is not. Would you show your books? Yeah, that is. Your books, would you show them to our audience? Sorry? Your books, show them to our audience. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah cool. just tell right. about them. I'll yeah. just get this camera right. So, um, <laughs> the first book we wrote, <laughs> first book we wrote was Everything You Know About Marketing Is Wrong, okay. um, which basically was um, designed to, and most people will admit that they don't know anything about marketing, so they'll agree, to the, agree with that and actually read it. So, it's quite, mm. quite a sort of book about how. Um, you've got it wrong in marketing and, and that's probably why it's not working for you. Um, and then we wrote um, the five stages of, business, of entrepreneurial success and that was written off the back of um, the Evolpreneur, which is our little, you'll see in there, we've got this little five stages there, little little dudes uh, we drew. It actually took longer to draw these guys and get this stat right than it did to write the book, I tell you. <laughs> so, um, but something I learned in, um, in publishing along the way, and this is not really something most people do, is have a, a roadmap in your book, right? So figure out the five steps, the seven steps, or the five bits or whatever it has to be and build your book around that rather than just write and, and you don't know where you're going to end, right? 
So that gave me framework to walk, talk about, well, you start off as a founder, you move to an explorer, you move to organizer, you move to investor, you move to time master. That gives me a structure to write a book around, mm. right? So I can actually build it. And then because we we're publishing books, we decided we should write a book about how to write a book. Publishing. <laughs> um, which is book publishing secrets and entrepreneurs. Um, it's, it's, there's just some sections on how to write a book, like how to actually write a book, but it's all about the other stuff that we um, found that we needed to sort of tell people. And it's actually my framework when we do books for clients. So what we did is we did this book and then we built a framework off it to actually encapsulate everything that we do for a client. And inside my own platform, we wrote an entire course and a project management system to actually allow them to actually for us to take write the book with them right so everything the next step they need to do what they need to, what's the next question we need to know from what's their bio what's their strategy in the book what's the five stages or whatever they need to put in all those things are built into the course and that's our framework for it so basically they're going to do it themselves and figure it out or they can buy a framework or we've got a lower level offer where we actually have a course as well um that's in the back of this book i think or back of the book it's a um, like a secret publishing kit that we give them at the back of the book, so that basically it's my book on squash. Let's try and get that around the right way. Um, that we allow them to do, and so that basically we give them some tools and, and a mastermind group to actually do it in. But at the end of the day, it's our framework for our business. So the, the last two books that I just showed you, they're their frameworks. So when they join our Volpenor Club scenario, that's our framework for that. So. Whilst we wrote a book, we actually wrote a business system. And then we use that business system. So when they've read the book, the book then complements what we do. Right? And then I can launch a podcast on one of those and I've got all the content I need. Like I just mm. well, I go. So that's that's about as simple as it gets, really. Yeah, that's your marketing strategy. <laughs> I got it. Yeah. Mm. So mm. like, yeah. And then we've got startup secrets, which which isn't on paperback yet, so I can't really show a picture of it. Um, and then a new book they're bringing out today, I think tomorrow actually comes out, called Authority. Um, and that's with other 15 other authors um, or 14 other authors. Um, I get to get top billing because I drew the raffle and I won the top billing. Um, and that's going to go, that's going to, uh, we're producing, we're trying to get USA Today and Wall Street Journal bestseller on that um, this week. So we're having a go at that. Um, so that book could, could be a great book to kind of in a position as an authority because it's all the books about authority so those are things like you're doing a lot of things yeah like who's your mentor who's your inspiration that will be a, like to keep you yes suggest um, you or motivate you there's I, I i guess what i've found is that and it's very interesting actually I've, i had this thing i read i read somewhere i heard someone said be very careful about meeting your mentors or your heroes right and what i found is that they always seem you end up in a situation where they're nothing like what you thought they were and sometimes that's good but most of the time it's bad right and so what there was a guy called jim rowan um who's dead now i think there's still a a um he's still there's jim rowan institute and stuff like that very smart guy i went and saw him when i was younger so when i went i went through a lot of self-development when i was particularly when i started this business so one of the things that i think most business owners don't do is when they finish school they think they finish school that's it stop learning well, the reality is as soon as you do that you don't learn anything new so i went on this journey of learning from everybody i could and jim rowan i went and saw him speak um the rich dad poor dad guy um that wrote that rich dad poor dad book um kiyosaki all those guys in the early days gave me some foundation e-myth 
So what I found was looking at a certain person, looking at what they've done, particularly if they've got books and stuff like that, studying what they do, but not necessarily wanting to meet them. <laughs> and and over time, I, I sort of like look at people and I've sort of like looked at what they do and say, oh, that's really cool. I'm going to take a little bit of that and then use that information um, to try and, you know, see if I can replicate it. But I think at the end of the day, there's no secret to success. People keep saying, I'll give you my secret. There isn't. Your secret to success is your own secrets, how you get there, right? And I think that becomes comes from learning stuff and understanding stuff and being able to figure things out. So... Yeah, there's a ton of people I've sort of looked at and followed over the years, um, but not someone, not someone specific, if you know what I mean. Like there's a few people I've sort of like Tony Robbins and they're all filled in bits, bits and pieces, right? There's all been gaps being filled and it seems to come along when you best need it to. Um, the person seems to appear when you want them to. <laughs> so if you, I think if you ask for it, like you say, look, I need someone to help me there. Um, I heard a great, there's a new app called Clubhouse, um, which I've been on a fair bit lately. And one of the things they say is not what, but who, not how, but who, right? So who can help you? I think it's a better question to ask than it is to say, what do I do? Or how do, how can, how do I do this? And I think that's the secret to success ultimately is finding people who can actually do help you with what you need to get done. Um, not think that you have to do it on your own. Yeah, um, and I think that's the secret to me. <laughs> you know? And I think that's why, like, I've got multiple mentors, you know, like in terms of, you know, Tony Robbins is great for, for you know, knowledge, uh, sort of way you think and stuff like that. Um, but other mentors are great for you know, how they run a business, right? So hacking people and seeing how they work, I think is, is the secret there. <laughs> yeah, like, I just also want to know this. You wrote, yeah, like, seven books and your target is 10. And, yeah, which is the three books that you love most uh, yeah, recommend our audience, not your. In terms of books I've read, yeah. um, I think anybody who hasn't read the E Myth is crazy, and and I think this generation has never heard of it. So most people go, "What's the E Myth?" <laughs> right? And it's called the E Myth Revisited, and it's it's the granddaddy of of um of formula books, if you like. So you'll find it in almost every bookstore. That was done before the internet came out. So that gives you a perspective of business systems and how you should operate a business and how you should employ people. So that's a foundation, right? Um, I think Rich Dad, Poor Dad's a great book for yeah, um, understanding how money works and how business works. So you get your head around the fact that a job is, is never wealth. It's very difficult to become rich on a job unless you're a CEO getting millions of dollars. So that sort of teaches you that. Um, God, and the other ones, I think um, The Giant Within You from Tony Robbins was probably the best book. I got that, my sister bought me that book very early on like I'd never heard of Tony Robbins at all when she bought me that book and as thick as that book and I think that was a great book I mean Tony's written some other books in the way and I don't really own them but that giant within you was a great book um, to be able to give you that foundation in your head and there's another book called The the, the Great Sales Book by Jim Collis um, you can't get it digitally and it's hard to buy physically I think I think you, I'm have to buy it because I've lost my copy yeah. that book um, is the blueprint for business like it's got everything you need it's almost like a, a an encyclopedia with all the stuff in it all crammed into one book it's quite amazing i used it to build my business originally it teach you about sales it teaches about procedures it teaches about mindset all this stuff um that i use to build the business so i'll give you a bonus book there <laughs> oh my god i have to read that yeah. 
So like you have to show like uh, where to not IT there is no yeah network there is no internet and now is like internet everybody have to be like yeah. is that you think that yeah without internet you can't even grow that much internet will be help you a lot to yeah, expand your business to worldwide in terms of the internet changing thing yeah. I think um what happened though and I think this to this day is people are people right so um, this new Clubhouse app that just came out, which is audio only, to me was an interesting reflection on what people really wanted. So they want human contact, particularly in a pandemic, right? They want a, they want a community, they want to connect with people. And I think social media, as it stands right now, is, 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 um, is bad for people mostly. Like, oh, we watch a movie called The Social Dilemma. If you haven't watched yeah, it, it's worth yeah, watching. Yeah, I watched it. Um, yeah, and I think one of the biggest problems is, is that um too many people want to say negative stuff and they want to troll you and they want to do stuff right so like in clubhouse you've got audio only you can't comment you can't like you can't do anything you've got to contribute and i think the biggest problem with the social media right now is that people just want to and the social media love it too if you're if you're getting trolled or you're getting abusive comments they love it because that generates engagement so to me i think we've become the product of this social media game and I don't know whether you necessarily make that much out of being as, you know, like playing that social media game, to be honest with you. Unless you're a big player, like this whole content machine of trying to create all this content, I think it comes down to really simple. Work out who your best customer is. Focus on where they go and, and stalk them. Right? <laughs> hang out where they hang out until they go, who the hell are you? What are you doing? Right? That's as simple as that. Social media lets you do that, but I don't think building a business around social media to me is the recipe for disaster so part of the thing we did with the app was to get away from big tech so get away from the tech stack but also get away from big tech so that at the end of the day you're not tied to facebook you're not tied to instagram right build your own email list build your own community within inside your platform build your own platform if you like is what we call it so that way you actually own your own customers right you have you've grown your own engagement build your own business. And I think that's the biggest thing that social media and the internet actually rob people of. They, they used to have a bricks and mortar store. Now they don't have anything like that. It's all digital, particularly the pandemic, right? Everybody went remote. So suddenly you, your, your infrastructure is not there anymore. So you need, you think, oh, I need social media for that. Like I need to be, have some sort of presence. I'll use social media. But I think the biggest problem with that is that's temporary. That's like renting something, renting an apartment, right? You don't own that apartment. And they can toss you out any time they like, right? If you don't pay the rent or they don't like you, they'll toss you out. Whereas if you own your own stuff, you do. And part of the reason that I had to sell my own, that first business with accounting software was because I didn't own anything. We were a distributor, which is the worst person business to be in the world, by the way, because as a distributor, if you're too successful, they take over and steal it off you. If you're not successful enough, they take it and steal it off you. So you have to be just successful enough keep under the radar as soon as we popped up we're in trouble <laughs> suddenly they're oh hang on a minute we were going to get out of this country now i see that it's an opportunity let's all dive in and screw you over <laughs> so what happens is you know you have to own your own stuff so what i learned there is we didn't own our own brand we own nothing and so we had to walk away from that business without any real way of making anything out of it yet we invested millions into it so you need to own your own stuff and i think that's the danger of social media and internet is you don't own your own stuff you're just renting and you know businesses don't shouldn't rent their own premise you know like if you're going to rent your premise you better have a good lease right yeah, 
<laughs> that was the thing. What was the secret of your productivity? Because you do a lot of things to returns to your yeah. handling business. Actually, what, was the, what was the secret? Yeah, I just want to know. So interesting. I had someone ask me that exactly today, right? Oh my and, god! And I wrote down these things and I find them for you. Um, and this is it. This is what I figure figure it is because he said, "Oh, you must never sleep." I said, "Actually, I only work from ten to five, and I don't work weekends." because I got bowel cancer a few years ago and up until that point I was working 7 days a week right I was doing a lot of work and what I realized was the harder you work the worse it gets right so I started playing squash 5 times a week I play squash 5 times a week and I only work from 10 to 5 and I don't work on weekends for clients I work for myself you know I do my own stuff but I don't work on weekends so to get that done there's discipline because you have to discipline yourself right you have to make sure that you keep within that framework I have got to finish by 5:00 because I got to be at squash by 7:00. So I have to get dinner, get organized and get there. So I can't stop. I have to move. I have no appointments. So I block my calendar. So I'm blocked off. I can only get work between 10, 10 and 5. Um automation, so everything we do is automated. If I can't automate it, I don't do it. So in in our podcasting process, um we have is totally automated. So if a guest comes on board, it's totally automated. The, the first time I see them, or talk to them technically is when they come on and we do the interview right or everything else is completely automated i don't need a va it's not it's all completely done by the system so automate as much as possible project management having a proper project management tool and managing your business as a project is immense for us so i set the the scene for the week i set the task for the week and the staff come to me so what do we want done this week there you go it's all set up ready to go let's go do that and come back to me when you've done it building systems around that project management and making sure it gets done and delegation um be able to delegate to people and because you've trained them so do it yourself first figure out how to do it right how to how to do it and then get them to do it and keep an eye on them don't expect to don't abdicate just <laughs> let's delegate right and the last one was to stop the interruptions so i don't answer the phone right yeah, i don't um if i'm if i'm on an appointment and i want to call like i'm doing a podcast with you i don't that's it I'm working on that if I get off that I'm going to go and do my own stuff I'm not going to wait for someone to call me and answer the phone I'm going to go and do something else I'm going to sort of go offline so someone says to me oh can we have a quick call there's no such thing I don't have a quick call no <laughs> right and you tried that with me right see you yeah. tried that no. and I go no don't do it I need to do it by appointment because guess what a quick call isn't 5 minutes it's 50 minutes oh boy I can ask you another question and suddenly your whole day goes away gets away from you And the other day I let, I I saw something really good I actually think I heard it on Clubhouse actually and it said most and I know this nothing no work gets done at work right and I think remote business remote actually made a difference so in my analysis with 25 staff under 25 I found that if I could get 3 hours a day out of them I was doing well so they'd work for 8 I get 3 hours of productivity I was doing well and I think most people only got about 3 hours work in an, in them in a day to get that done early get the important stuff out of the way in the first thing in the morning and then the afternoon you know get stuff done make yourself look busy but the reality is that first 3 hours of your start whenever you start has got to be around the case of doing like okay, I've got to get this done that and really that's basically the reason why I get stuff get a lot of stuff done so i mean we've well, i've been involved in 1500 books over the last 5 years I've, we've done um You know, I've done like seven seven months and about 20 I think about 100 client books right and that's just for the publishing side of things is we've written an entire application a, a platform that should have taken probably 20 programmers 5 years to write 
one program eroded in a year by being productive and being at what we needed to get written, what was important. So I think, yeah, you can do it, but you just got to, yeah. But if you think you've got to work seven days a week, um, there's no such thing as an eighth day. And so what will happen is you will just burn out. What was the really meaning of success in your time here? Sorry? What's the meaning of success in your time? In my terms, and that's a good question. I actually asked that question in the book, what is success, right? And I think it means what it means to you. So I think part of the problem is, and I, and, and we come back to this clubhouse thing, because you hear some of these conversations between these billionaires, right? And ultimately with these guys, they're not about the money. It's about what the money can do. So I think what they want to do, like there was a there was a call there and Grant Cundone was asked how much money he's got in the bank, right? And a call. And he said 153 and he meant 153 million in the bank. And he goes, but there's less today. And I go, he said, why? What what happened? He said, oh, I've donated $5 million to a charity and I've paid a couple million dollar bonuses, right? And he said, which one of those made you feel better? And he goes, they all made me feel better. I felt good about it because it made a difference in the people's lives. And I think that's the difference is if you create a legacy and you make a difference in people's lives, that's success, right? Success isn't about money. It's about what you can do with that money or what you can do to get there. And there's plenty of you know very successful people in, in history that are that, that broke, right? They're absolutely broke, but they, they were seen as a success. So I think success is whatever it means to you, not, not someone else. That's the biggest thing. Don't think that your bank account or your the way that you see yourself should be measured against someone else. And I think okay. these billionaires, like, you know, people that are doing seven figures want to know how to do eight figures. The guys that are doing eight want to know how to do nine, right? But it's not that hard. It's just zeros. It's the same thing. It's just bigger, more numbers. Mm, no real difference in it. So I think, okay. yeah, it's quite interesting. When these guys get a lot of money, they, they money gets off the table and it's all about how they want, can make a difference. I don't think. What's the like purpose of your life? <laughs> I don't yeah like you don't yeah like banking to any other field to do. Yeah, just accept one field to other field. What was really purpose of your life? What's the purpose? Yeah. Um, to help other people, to be to be helpful to other people, to actually make a difference in other people's lives. But I wrote that. There was an interesting thing because way back in Emeth, there's a statement that talks about your your um your personal you know. What's the word I think it's called? I forget the name of it now. Um, they call it something, but basically it's your mission statement personally, like your personal objective, if you like. Um, and you go through a process and and to work this out, and it hasn't changed from back 25, 30 years ago, and that was to help other people, to be of service to people. And I think if you do that and solve people's problems, then then people, you know, they like you and they respect you and they do stuff for you. <laughs> it's pretty simple, really. Yeah. Um, nature right if you do something for someone they will do something for you it's you know they want to reciprocate so that's basically my purpose is to help and the app now gives me the ability to help thousands of people not just hundreds so i can help one on one hundreds but how can i make a difference with thousands and that's build an application that helps them be successful quickly without all that bullshit <laughs> right without all the all the stuff they have to go through to get there like let's do it in three days rather than 30 must be a way to do it must be a way to speed things up what do you think about yeah like after when you think that you will be going to be retirement 
retirement. <laughs> I haven't banked, banked too much money yet. Um, yeah. I, I don't. I think that I don't see myself ever retiring. But part of what I've done with the software is we're building a legacy, and the idea is a lot of people either sell a business, give it up, or they they pass it on to their their children. Right. That's really the only three ways you options you've got. Most people stop a business when they're in the worst possible problem, right? So they've got ill health or they've gone broke or they want to retire and they're too old to dig these holes anymore. And so what we build is the legacy business where basically my son inherits the business. So I just step back over time. We build out a recurring income base, but it doesn't mean I stop doing stuff, right? But I step back from that 10 to five or nine to five grind um, because what I ultimately want to do is over the next 10 years is to get back to four days a week, three days a week, two days a week, right? But you've got to replace it with something, right? So most people retire are dead in, inside 10 years. If they, if they retire from what they do, they're dead within 10 years or less because they've got nothing to live for, right? <laughs> and I, I mean, it's pretty true. Like you look at America, like the two candidates for America are in their 70s, 80s. Right? Who then in the right mind will want to do that level of work at that age? Seriously. I mean, it, it's a lot of pressure. A lot of rubbish goes on. A lot of stuff. You know? That's a lot of stuff. You have to handle it at that age. Why would you want to do that to yourself? I don't understand. Like, what really you learn from all your life? We are working all this field, to be our relationships, to be our, like all these things. What does really you learn? What does the, yeah. The really true meaning of life. What do you learn? I don't know. I don't know what the meaning of life is. God knows. You're asking a big question there. I've no, idea. no, it's not um, because yeah. Yeah, I've no idea. All I know is um, you're not meant to work so much. People are lazy. You know, we come from from humans. Basically, are lazy. I don't think you should the hustle and the activity and the and the and the amount of work. You shouldn't burn yourself out. So I think the secret of life is to get to the end of it and go, well, I did everything I wanted to do, but I didn't spend all, like I, I think very few people will get to their deathbed and say, oh, geez, I wish I spent more time at work, oh, right? They'll wish they had more experiences. They spent more time with people they, they like, you know, the people they don't like, right? So I think um, there's actually, I'll see if I can find it for you. This is, um, I got, this is not mine, but it's something I kind of try to live by and I'll see if I can find it for you, <laughs> bear with me. <laughs> um because it's pretty good um and to me it was like a little bit more than up list it's pretty good you have to bear with me to cut it off of it. <laughs> edit me out of it I'll find it um let me see yeah okay this is for business but I think it works in a lot of things right top 10 for great for business right tight run financials bigger mission than money systems orientated training culture testing emphasis clear point of difference clear marketing funnels a good back-end product, clear understanding of your customers and a high productivity environment. So that is kind of the meaning of business, right, <laughs> to me. Um, and when you think about it, in some respects, it's it's also, you know, the meaning of life is that you've got to have 
that balance of some description. Whatever that, you can't get a complete balance in life. If you can solve the money problem, you can you can live the way you want to live. And I think that's the secret to it: is figure out the money and then try to live the life. You don't need to have a lot of money. Like in Australia, for example, even America, ten thousand dollars a month is a lot of money. You can live like a king on ten thousand dollars a month, right? That's only one hundred and ten grand, one hundred twenty grand a year. That's not a lot of money when you think about it, right? But you can live like a king for that. Why do you need? You don't need three cars, three houses, right? You only can live in. You can only drive one car at a time. You can only, you know, live and you know, sleep in one bed at a time. You don't need all that stuff. So you don't need as much money as you think you need. I think that's the bottom line. Yeah. And so this search of huge amount of money doesn't mean a lot of difference. It's how can you live comfortable in the way you want to live. I think that's the, to me that's the secret <laughs> or the purpose or whatever you like. How do you manage your time? Like, is there a particular calendar because you remove it? Yeah. So. Um. You, yeah. I'm a. In some respects, I'm a shocker because I don't really. Um. Like I've done all these to-do lists and stuff like that. It drives me insane. To-do lists actually drive me insane because I think what happens is we end up putting all the unimportant things in. So what I try to do is figure out what's most important, figure out what those things need to be done, and then underneath that, break out the steps that need to get there, and then run multiple projects at once. So right now I'll be running 20 or 30 things that need to be done, but underneath there's single product, you know, tasks that need to be done. What happens is you end up in a situation where you might, I might have 10 things on the roll, not done, but bits of it done. And then in one day, I can go back over those projects, go, oh, I've just got to do this little thing here and I'm done, finished, tick. And so I think what happens is people try to get one thing done at a time. And I think the danger of that is that you don't, you can't put your energy in one thing all the time, right? It's not possible. You drive your energy in 10 times at times and that will be great. Yeah. I just want to be like this, yeah. Some yeah, so 10, start 10 things. <laughs> um, like two I'm things. Some sort of deadline, put some sort of deadline. <laughs> yeah, like what was the thing that you don't like about your business? What I don't like about my business? Yeah. Um, that's a hard question because I've got lots of businesses going. On, so, um, yeah. I think, and, and it's something it, I'm always working on is I want to get away from doing the mundane stuff. Mm. So I end up having to do mundane stuff because we don't necessarily have people in place to do it. Uh, the danger is the more staff you put in, the worse it gets to a degree as well, because you end up in a situation you have to manage people. So that's the trick in businesses, try and have someone who can manage those people. Um, they always reckon the best person, the first person you should, you should employ in your business is a general manager, not a VA. So that general manager manages other people and employs the people and manages the process. And I've never done that bit, right? Because I never really didn't discover that in the early days, but I think if you can find someone that does the stuff that you don't want to do and they want to do it, right? See, what happens if you read the email, you'll find this out, right? You have this to-do list and you go, all this stuff I don't want to do. Here you go, I'm going to hire someone to do all that. So you hire them and they don't want to do it either. So what they do is they don't do it well or they don't do it. So you end up doing it. So now you end up paying them to do stuff that you're doing yourself, right? And that's the piece that I'm very conscious of and it can happen a lot. And as soon as I catch myself doing that, I stop it. Because you go, well, I should have done this, right? I had a great example. My One of my VAs that does all the accounting work, he couldn't figure out how to balance this account, right? He, I'd gone backwards and forwards. So I said, look, I'll tell you what, I'll do it over Christmas. 
and I'll document it for you so you can do it next time. So I did a little video and I documented and said, you know what? He was 80% there. He wasn't close. He wasn't far off getting it right. He just didn't know what to do next, right? And so it's a that particular balancing process for that particular account is a pain. It's a really painful process because it needs to think. You can't just go, Bleh. you have to yeah. think, right? As soon as you have to think, you've got a problem. <laughs> and so yeah. I thought, no, I'll, I'll do it, but I'll, I'll document it so he can do it next time because I don't like doing it. And I could have easily just done, don't worry about it. Even in my mind when I was doing it, I'm thinking, I'm going to do this. I'll oh, bugger it. I'll just do it when I, you know, it's not, it's only have to be done every six months or so. I'll bugger it. I'll just do it myself. I won't bother with telling him. I thought, no, no, hang on a minute. That means yeah. that I've, I'm now bound to this task, this mundane task. It doesn't make me no money balancing a loan account, honestly. No money. No money yeah. So trying to make sure that I get paid $300 an hour or whatever I want to be paid, $300, $500 an hour to do the work I should be doing. And that's the bit that I'm always constantly, well, I don't want, I guess, is if I suddenly get some tasks that think so I can pay somebody $20 an hour to do this, why am I doing it? Mm. What was the like, yeah, yeah, I just want to know that, yeah, just tell me about that day that you like, it's my worst day and it's my best day in my life. Your worst and best day. <laughs> I think, um, and it's interesting, is my best day in my life was, well, I guess there was two two things that I probably spring to mind. Like, there's probably tons of them. Like, one was the birth of my son because I was actually there for it. And, and, it, and it actually, the story around it was I was running a, a business where basically we had an event on the Wednesday and I had an event on the Friday. My son was doing the Thursday. All right. And on Thursday, I always had client meetings on Thursday. So he was born at 7.55 p.m. on Thursday. <laughs> and so after hours, so I could get all my work done. And we went to the hospital at six o'clock and he was born at eight o'clock. I was home by 10 o'clock. So in terms of the fact that the, it was so quick, but obviously birth, having birth of the son is quite amazing. Um, and being before it, I think it's probably the most amazing day. Um, the second best one was I was, went to the, the accounting software company that we deal with, we, like I said, we went from 18 in the world to two in the world. When we got to two in the world, no one knew we were two in the world. I knew because I found out from my account manager. No one else knew. So we went to this conference. We all sat down and they did the awards announcing, you know, num who's number one, who's number two, who's number three. And it's always the same with us. We're always number one, where's number three? We got to number three. One, um, Anibia or whatever it was, get number two. And Anibia is a big guy, right? This is this guy's like six foot six sort of. He's a big man. Anyway, they announce number one, and then they announce number two, and the guy stands up. Now he's a big man, right? So he stands up, and they go, the winner is, and they announced us, and he had to sit down, right? Now for him that was bad, but for me it was like we finally got to number two and it sort of caught them all by surprise and all the photos i've got of that i've lost i've lost all the photos i i actually had them record i've saved somewhere and they go we've got lost so it's a shame i've lost all the photos of that but um but yeah and it was like quite an amazing day um probably the worst day of my life probably when i found out i had bowel cancer um so i found out on the monday i had bowel cancer on monday afternoon i saw the the uh, surgeon wednesday um, he said, "What are you doing Wednesday?" I said, oh, "I don't know." He said, "Well, you come to come for come to surgery on Wednesday." 
So I had surgery on Wednesday, I was home by Friday. So basically, even though it was the worst week of my life, it was only a week and then we didn't have to have chemo or anything like that. So basically at the end of that week, I was, you know, I took a month to find out, but basically from that point onwards, I wasn't, you know, got rid of it just in time. So most of it was the worst day of my life, so probably saved my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but and I was still so, yeah. doing, I was still, I was answering messages out. I came out of surgery, right, on the Thursday, on the Wednesday, on the Wednesday, was it Wednesday? Yeah, on the Wednesday afternoon, I came into surgery and I, I had my phone and I tried to answer some messages and I'll go, I can't do this. <laughs> so try to answer, try to answer messages on drugs. It's not easy. Right? So I just thought, no, no, <laughs> not doing it. So I just put it, put the phone aside. So I'm waiting 24 hours till I actually can read this thing. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. What's the secret of your happiness? Yeah. Your smile. Sorry. The secret of your smile. Yeah. Secret of smiling. Yeah. Sure what do you mean? Secret of your smile. My smile. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just look at it, and at the end of the day, it's just a. At the end of the day, it's like when you look back on something. It's, it's always people by human nature will always look back back at something being positive, not negative. So a bad situation ends up being a good situation. That's just human nature. That's your brain tricking you into, into yeah. it. Yeah. So yeah, for last two questions. Yeah, if you are in yeah, my position. Yeah, gotta go now. <laughs> <laughs> Getting hot in here. I've got that. I've got no, 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 yeah, no, no, yeah. <laughs> if you are in my position, what was the uncomfortable question you ask yourself? In your situation? Yeah, when you are like, just to, what was the best and uncomfortable question you ask yourself? Uh, why the why the hell have I got to where I am now? And what the, you know? What do I need to do about it? <laughs> what the hell are you think? What the hell were you thinking? What the hell were you thinking when you did that? <laughs> because sometimes you do stuff i mean i i did something cost me half a million dollars oh, cost me more than half a million dollars cost me a million dollars and i think what was i thinking that's basically i ask myself what the hell were you thinking when you did that and if you can apply that to now and go next time don't do that <laughs> yeah like don't I, do that that was that was too, you looked at it two minutes rose glasses. You know, I, I actually trusted people back then in terms of without verifying things. So I think, yeah. <laughs> like with the, yeah, my last question, yeah, I just asked everybody, but you are the most important guest. What was the impact that you want to be on the world, on the society, on the surrounding your people from your life? What was the last bit, first bit? What was the impact, impact. that you want to be on the world? on the society, on the people surrounding you, from your life. You are happy, you are positive, you are productive, you are writers, yeah. authors, businessmen. I think at the end of the day, like, I want to leave a legacy, I want to leave, make a difference. And I think part of the thing is, and that's part of the, that's actually our tagline for our software is helping entrepreneurs make a difference, right? I think I want to make a difference in, in people's lives in terms of business, I guess, is one thing. Although personally, it all flows, flows through. So. If you ask someone what's the benefit of the benefit of the benefit of the benefit, right? They will never come back to you and say, oh, I want to spend more time at work. That's why I'm doing this business, right? They want something else out of it. And I think giving people that um, is is really this, is good for everybody, right? If you can give someone freedom to make money and do what they want to do, that's a big thing, right? That's a big legacy in some respects. I think that's why most entrepreneurs do what they do is they want to leave a legacy. They want to make a difference. Um, in their lives 
it has to make a difference in in other people's lives to be the same in my opinion like you got to help before you get people help you yeah like what was the thing that you want to share our audience to share people from your life that you learning what are the two things that you want to share with um i guess a, let's do a shameless plug <laughs> <laughs> um and i think if you go to evolve if you go to evolvepreneur.club um there's a free membership there that i set up and that's from that perspective of giving stuff right so it's worth thousands of dollars literally worth thousands of dollars um that we just recently launched so basically if you go to evolvepreneur.club you get access to a ton of stuff about you know what everything you know about marketing is wrong and and all that sort of thing for free it doesn't cost you anything um yes we do have options but the reality is you can start free um and that's sort of my gift to entrepreneurs to get them to um you know at least start somewhere and have some good not some information to start their journey if they like or fix up where they are now so um, yeah so that's probably best option i can suggest to anybody on you that's on the podcast and want some help i'll give you some free help <laughs> uh, yeah thank you yeah, where does people will find you online is there here um either volpenor.club um volpenor.app or johnnorth.com.au is probably the three areas i mean we've got a if you go to johnnorth.com.au all all roads lead to rome so basically you'll end up somewhere else um so that that's kind of the portal site that that i've got for me personally that shows everything we do um and then you know you can take it from there you know go from the websites from there that was the thing and thank you so much to join my podcast and share your experience thank you so much my pleasure to be here no no yeah i will be awaited you on hours and then i will be message you so you are so patient okay. and you're so kind so thank you so much no worries <laughs> all right i got to follow